0: Park. Yeah, park, hit him with a strike, hit with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night, I've been hey. Slendy, A-Go, hey, hey. Slendy, a hey, Slendy, a Slendy,
1: You already know what's up, uh, what's that, another home run. Right. But you know the job ain't done, yeah. till we hold that trophy up. <laughs> hey.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 477 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 26th, 2023, and the San Diego Padres, their players at least, continue to say some idiotic quotes out there. I mean, holy cow. We're going to get to Josh Hader and the things that he said. We're going to get to Blake Snell and his performance from Monday night. Could be his last start in a San Diego Padres uniform. We're going to get to what Manny said in the Padres Clubhouse uh, on Sunday, his last Petco Park media scrum of 2023. There was some stuff there. We're going to get to Dennis Lynn talking about widespread speculation that Bob Melvin were either voluntary, voluntarily leave or be fired after the season. There's a lot of thoughts there. We're going to get to Kevin Acey and him saying again that the Padres plan to lower the payroll in the off season, get it to around $200 million. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. So if you want to join the show, click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat, like Matt has done. So I'm going to get to Matt here in a little bit. Um, if you want to make sure I get your comment or your question here on this Tuesday, you can use that Super Chat button. It supports the channel, makes it very easy for me to find your comment and your question. So I appreciate anyone that takes the time to do that. Just a reminder before we really get started here, you can use my code Talking Friars for $20 off your SeatGeek order. And check out Breaking Tea and FOCO, breakingtea.com. Click the link in the description. Some great San Diego sports shirts and sweatshirts, Padres, Aztecs, San Diego Wave, and with FOCO, they have some great bobbleheads uh, and collectibles as well. Breaking Tea, actually, they just uh, released a Fernando Tatis Jr. Home Run Robbery shirt, so you can check that out there um, as well if you want to commemorate you celebrate where that moment of Tatis robbing that home run on Sunday in the Padres final home game of the season. Uh, but yeah, let's get started. I was going to start with Bob Melvin, like Bob Melvin leaving the Padres. Is that on the table? I'm going to get to him. I think it makes the most sense to start off here with Josh Hader. And I want to set this situation up here. So last night, Padres Giants, Conforto steps up to the plate. Robert Suarez, he already came in earlier than he was supposed to, like his assigned role, right? Let's say it's the eighth inning. He came in a little bit earlier than that. And Josh Hader, it seems like that would be the perfect spot for Josh Hader to be used. Michael Conforto, a lefty. You have a lefty, one of the best, if not the best lefty reliever in baseball in your bullpen. How about you call him down? ring him up in the pen, get him warm, come into the game to face someone like Michael Conforto. Four outs, just one more out. That's all we're asking of Josh Hader. I don't believe he pitched the day before that, so it's not like he was going on back-to-back days or anything like that. You're technically, mathematically, still in it. There are Padres players like Manny Machado, even though it's like, okay, you know you're not in it, right, Manny? But they're continuing to play and Season's not over yet. Like Manny loves to keep saying that, even though we know they're not going to make the postseason. You have players in that clubhouse that are playing when they should be going and getting surgery, but Josh Hader's sitting there in the bullpen and not really making himself available for four outs. He said post game that he is available, but he's only available on his terms. He's not going to say that, but He's only available on his terms because he didn't go into the game there in that eighth inning. Suarez obviously gives up the game, gives up the lead. Padres, they lose two to one. And then post game, Bob Melvin has to sit there and try to defend Josh Hader, defend his players, even though this isn't a Bob Melvin decision, obviously. If you watched or listened to Bob Melvin's post game presser from yesterday, you will realize that this was not a Bob Melvin decision to be like, yeah, I'm not going to use Josh Hader. Josh Hader's sitting there in the bullpen, but yeah, no, I'm good. Not going to use him. You know that that was not Josh, or excuse me, you know that that was not a Bob Melvin decision. That was Josh Hader limiting himself. That's what it is. I'm trying to find this post-game video here from... Where was it? It has to be somewhere here. I just want to play it because it's clearly awkward from Bob Melvin. Yeah, here it is. AJ Castillo. By the way, you know sometimes San Diego media, they get you know with the painted with this brush that they're not they're not critical enough. They're not as hard as New York media, and I think part of that is because there aren't as many of these media members, maybe Uh, people, more people pay attention to New York sports than the San Diego Padres. But like AJ Cassaville media here, they did have good questions. Kevin AC, AJ Cassaville here following up with Bob Melvin. Why was Josh Hader not used in this spot? Why, 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 why? And so here is this post game. Bob Melvin clearly he wants to use Josh Hader. Just listen. You can see his expressions for the YouTube audience. You can hear his tone. Here is Bob Melvin. You asked Suarez for four outs. Yeah. Hader could have been that guy against the lefty there. Is it just him going three outs? It's what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah.
0: And why is that?
1: It's because the way we've handled it here. Yeah. Is, there, is there any discussion with him? Is there any thought? We, we talked to him some. Yeah
0: would seem to kind of run counter to the I mean you you were saving him earlier in the season for later in the year and here we are now and it's obviously yeah. getting very late that's just the way it happened tonight. yeah so there you go Bob Melvin um, if you saw those facial expressions you even if you were just hearing it for the podcast audience like it's pretty clear there that Bob Melvin wants to say something more He's just not saying it because he's in protect mode. He's protecting his players. That's just what he does. He's not going to go say to the media on camera, yeah, I wanted to use Josh Hader, but Josh is so soft that I'm just not. He he, he told me I'm not going to pitch for four outs. Season's over, so I'm not going to do that. He's not going to say that to the media, right? He's just going to say, yeah, that's just the situation we were in. But Josh Hader threw himself under the bus. It wasn't Bob Melvin that was given the opportunity and didn't do it. He didn't have to. Josh Hader did it himself. This, according to A.J. Cassiville, there were different kind of versions of quotes here. We don't have like the full audio, I don't believe, of Josh Hader, but I'll start with A.J. Casavell and the things that he said, or that he tweeted out here last night when Josh Hader was speaking to the media. Josh Hader asked his thinking behind not making himself available for four outs. Quote, it's the situation that we were at, end quote. That kind of sounds like Bob Melvin, right? Asked to clarify, he said, are we in the playoff race? Technically, yes, AJ says, but it would take a miracle to which he said, you guys want me to do everything. Asked if he was looking to the offseason with his decision to limit himself, he says, it has nothing to do with the offseason. It's the now. It's the help. It's the making it through the entire season. 162 games is not an easy task to do. You see guys work overloads. They get injured. Josh Hader's asking, he's acting like the Padres are asking him to go pitch 200 innings. That's not the case at all. It's like the opposite. They've allowed him to pitch like once a week for weeks here. Once a week, twice a week. He's pitched back-to-back-to-back days a few times this season. There are so many other relievers that have done that way more than Josh Hader. And Kevin Acey here in the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'll have to find it, in his Padres Daily, he also talked about Josh Hader and some of the quotes, and he had some more quotes here about what Josh Hader said. Are we in a playoff race? That's the one that I already hit on there. Melvin talking about yeah we talked to him some, but Hater I guess said that he w- he had not discussed this about him pitching last night. He also said here according to Kevin Ac the situation that we were at relative the p- to the postseason played into his not being available. Are we in a playoff race? Yes, and then Kevin obviously goes into how big of a stretch it would be, um, how how much would have to happen have to be in the Padres favor to the Padres. For them to make the postseason, obviously. He was asked if next year will change like his availability because he will get his money, his guaranteed contract. We'll see when next year comes. It has nothing to do with the offseason. It's health. It's making it through a whole entire season. 162, not an easy task to do. When you guys see, that work, see guys that work overloads, they get injured. But the Padres are not asking him to work overloads here. He continues saying, always four outs, isn't it? of what like the media is asking of Josh Hader. 3 in a row, always something. I mean, I'm not sure what you guys want. It's the same thing every time. Hader says, "Hypothetically, if I could pitch 7 innings, I would. Hypothetically, if I if I could throw 105 miles per hour, I would." There are a lot of hypotheticals we could put on the table. So there that quote, to me, it's like So if you could pitch four outs, you would. So are you not able? Are you not physically able to pitch four outs? But you tell the media, I'm available, but then you don't pitch four outs. There's sometimes this season where you go back-to-back-to-back days. But then there's sometimes where you don't pitch four outs. Are you available to pitch four outs? Because in some of these quotes, you're making it seem like you're not available. Hypothetically, if I could pitch seven innings, I would. Hypothetically, if I could throw 105, I would. Hypothetically, he didn't say this, but so hypothetically, if you could pitch four outs, you would, would you? Would you? And the quote about him, about the the Padres' postseason standing, are we in the playoff race? It's the situation that we're at. Are we in the playoff race? You guys want me to do everything? No, 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 Josh, Josh, we don't want you to do everything. We want you to just do your job. Bob Melvin is not asking you to do something that you're probably not capable of doing. He's not asking you to go be a starting pitcher. He's not asking you to pitch three innings out of the bullpen. He's asking you for four outs, or he wants you to have to do four outs. Give the Padres four outs or pitch in the eighth inning. If you can't finish the ninth, okay, we'll deal with Ray Kerr or whoever. But like, just do your job. You're getting paid $14 million, more money than we will ever see in our lifetimes, right? And you're sitting there, Pretty much you, this isn't Bob Melvin. Clearly, this is not Bob Melvin. This is Josh Hader sitting there, giving the Padres what he is going to do, like telling the Padres what he is going to do. Who is the manager of this team? Who runs this team? Is it Josh Hader? Evidently, it is about his role. And that's what pisses me off. You don't trade him before the trade deadline when you could have gotten something back for him. And then you just waste him the rest of the year or he wastes himself because he puts limits on when he can pitch and how many outs he can pitch. It's so annoying. It is so annoying. And we might some people might sound hypocritical because we say with Manny, it's like Manny, just tell the truth. I don't want you saying that. Oh, the season's not over yet. We when we all know it's over. But then when Josh Hader says, "Are we in the playoff race?" People get mad. Like that sounds hypocritical. I get that. But, Josh, that's just not something that you're supposed to say, like, publicly. You know? I think it's okay for people to get pissed off at Manny not being honest and just say, hey, just just go get the surgery. Why are you continuing to play? Just go get the surgery. And I think it's okay for people to get pissed off that there's players in that clubhouse that continue to have the quitting mentality. It's not just this year. It's not just Josh Hader. Manny Machado admitted it after the 2019 season about, you know, pretty much giving up at the end of 2019. The Eric Hosmer's Eric Hosmer stuff, right? It's not just this year. Sean Maniah last year. When he signs with the Giants, he admits, yeah, just wasn't in the best shape. Yeah, probably could have tried a little bit harder, essentially what he was saying. And he learned his lesson. Well, you were in the middle of a pennant race and you weren't working hard enough? Are you kidding me? Why is that happening to Padres players? Juan Soto earlier this season admitting about quitting when they get down in games. Xander Bogart had a quote a little bit earlier this season about that. Manny Machado just recently said that to the media. I think it was to Kevin Acy. He recently said, like, we didn't want it bad enough. Why? You didn't want it bad enough? Are you kidding me? You don't have a motivation. And then you got Josh Hader sitting here and saying, nope, essentially probably telling the Padres, yeah, three outs, ninth inning. That's when you use me. Are we in the playoff race? You guys want me to do everything. That's such a bad look. And that you're going into a free agency this offseason, Josh. Why in the world would you say that? This isn't just about the Padres, but for Josh Hader as well. Why in the world would you say that? Teams will use that against you. You thought you were being stuff was being used against you in arbitration. People will use that against you in free agency. That you sat there on the San Diego Padres and were complaining about usage. And you were complaining to the media that the media wants you to pitch four outs every once in a while. I mean, dude, you're getting paid $14 million. So, yeah, I'm not going to miss that guy. I am not going to miss Josh Hader. Great talent when he's on the mound. When he is on the mound... Amazing talent. But this like quitting mentality, this mentality of not being a team player. I mean, Blake Snell, I got pissed off when he was talking about his ERA, right? Like earlier on, I think, he, I forget if it was September or August, but he was talking about his ERA. Yeah, we'll get that checked. Even though I knew like those errors shouldn't have been errors or they should have been errors, excuse me, and they weren't errors and the ERA should have been lower than what it was. Those shouldn't have been earned runs towards Snow. I understood that, but that's not something that you say publicly, right? Josh Hader, you don't say this publicly. You don't complain about usage. Are we in the playoff race? It's the situation that we're at. That's why I'm, I'm not making myself available for four outs. You don't say that publicly because it's not like the entire team is like saying, yeah, we're not in the playoff race. It's not like Manny went and got the surgery And everyone else is on the same page. Like, yeah, we're not in the playoff race, whatever. No, you got Manny Machado, who's viewed as the leader of the clubhouse, still playing and still going out there. You got Juan Soto playing in every single game this season. You got Tatis continuing to play. You got guys that are playing hurt. But then you have guys like Josh Hader in the same clubhouse, you know, saying, admitting, yeah, pretty much, yep, season's over. I'm only pitching for three outs. I'm not making myself available for the eighth inning, even though it's clear that, yeah, you would be the better guy to pitch in that spot to help the team win than a tired Robert Suarez, who, by the way, was doing his best job of being a teammate, his best version of being a teammate by not just pitching the eighth inning, by coming in, I believe, in the seventh inning in last night's game. Just terrible look. And these quotes, I have a list of quotes by Padres players that I'm going to release at the end of this season. And it's just bad quote after bad quote after bad quote. You're telling me there's not someone in that organization that can sit the Padres players down and be like, do you realize the dumb stuff that you have said to the media here and how much of a bad look this has been? Do you realize what you're saying here? And I get pissed off at times when Manny's just saying the same old keep playing baseball, right? But I'd rather have that than, I guess, players doing what Josh Hader did and what Juan Soto said. I mean, I like the honesty. I know I'm sounding hypocritical, I guess, right? I like the honesty from guys when they admit that they're quitting. But you shouldn't be doing that. Like, that's the problem here. You should not be having that mindset. Right? You should not be having that mindset. So, yeah, that definitely pissed me off. And Bomell... For anyone that still is on the Bomell train of fire that guy, and you don't think that he knows what he's doing, I mean, you, you're probably hopping off that train now, right? I would think you're hopping off that train. Because clearly Bob Melvin is handcuffed. Clearly he's handcuffed. With Josh Hader, you got guys in spring training saying, yeah, I've told Bob, don't hit me in this spot in the order. Why? You already got your money. Why are you going to Bob Melvin and the Padres organization and saying, don't hit me in that spot? No, you're not the coach. Go do whatever the manager says. You already got your $200, $300 million. Hit wherever the heck he wants you to hit. You know, like, it's just, oh my gosh. Can we be team players here? Please, can we switch that mentality and be team players here? And not give up when things get tough. When you get down in games. How about don't give up? How about make yourself flexible? And maybe you only want to pitch three innings or three outs, I should say, Josh Hader. But then go tell the Padres coaches, you have me for three outs, that's it, but pitch me, I'll I'll pitch whenever. Highest leverage situation, okay, I'll pitch three outs right there. But to save yourself for the ninth inning, three outs only, this is when I pitch even though the better team player guy would say, no, I'll go another out. This will actually make myself more valuable in free agency because I will say, I didn't want to pitch for that fourth out there, that last out in the eighth, but I it was being a team player and I am willing to do that because I want to win. I care about winning. You look at the Aaron's Judge quotes with the New York Yankees and he's talking about how, if I'm sit- if I'm sitting here talking to the media at the end of the year and we're not making the playoffs, we're not winning that World Series, it's a failure. Things have to change. A lot of things have to change. I have some ideas talking about how the Yankees can improve, right? I want to hear that from people in the Padres clubhouse. Logan Webb he was the guy that's not going to go win the Cy Young this year. He's not getting as much publicity as Blake Snell Snow because Snell's going to Go win the Cy Young. But Logan Webb yesterday after the game, he's tired of losing. He says, winning the Cy Young, not a priority. I mean, here's Logan Webb. To be honest, winning is more important. If we don't do that, then it's kind of a waste. That's my goal. I'm tired of losing. It's not enjoyable. It's not fun. We have to make some big changes in here to create that winning culture that we want to show up every single year and try to win the whole thing. Where is that coming from inside the Padres clubhouse? I'm not seeing a whole lot of that. I'm not seeing enough of that, that's for sure. It's just, I mean, just dumb quote after dumb quote after dumb quote. And it's been a lot of Padres players. It it just hasn't been one or two Padres players. It's been a lot of Padres players that have just said the dumbest things possible. It's like, do you realize what you're saying here? Or you just don't care. And if you don't care, that's obviously a problem. And they don't, and some of them don't care, clearly, with some of the things that they have said this year. And hopefully, that mentality changes. I sure hope that mentality changes. And Josh Hader's quote last night was just another one of those. That was just a cherry on top of what has been a terrible season for this Padres team. All right, I see Matt. He is in here. I'm sure Matt has some thoughts here on probably Josh Hader, the Padres, what you got, Matt?
1: Oh, you know it's about Hater because I was first on that train when you had your, I mean, I know you probably don't remember because you do so much content, but you had a show months ago about who's to blame for the failure of Prell or Melvin, whatever. And I called in and I said, I blame Hater. And I told you, and ever since then, all that, i mean—that's a hell of a hater rant you just went on. But when I called in to blame hater, nobody was on that train yet. I said he's absolutely in charge of himself. He won't do it until he gets his bag. It isn't going to hurt him in free agency because whoever he gets his money from, he will go four outs next year because he'll have his five-year deal. But he costs, and you. All the other stuff, the runners in scoring position, the run different, all, forget all of it. Just take a look at the standings, take a look at one run record. I think there's 23 losses there, and they're 0 and 12 in the extra innings. So that's 35 losses. Now, some of the obviously some of the extra inning games were one run losses, but the last one wasn't because they lost 5 2, and I know of several that weren't. So that's probably 30 total losses of one run. And you're telling me that if this guy didn't pitch, if he pitched like Bautista, or the Orioles, who I I had said at the time, he, they were overworking him, but it was working. You're telling me if that guy didn't get an extra, with it out of those 30 losses, that the Padres couldn't have won five more games? Because I don't believe that. And I believe if you flip just five games off their shit record now, they'd be like a half a game out and be right there. And that's just winning five out of 30 by using Hater. He cost the team the season. I don't care about all these stupid articles about Manny. Manny's always been a jackass to the media from Baltimore to L.A. to here. It's it's always the same. He's an ass. To, he's condescending to the media. That doesn't matter. Hater is the one that ran the team. When he had talked about people quitting and not being good teammates, I always said, it's hater. The other guys at least are playing. They're at least, at, at, like I said, they're at least taking bats. They're at least catching the fly balls. They're, that's why I, when I called, them, I said, who's quit? Who's actually, how can you point to somebody who's actually quitting? Does somebody stand up there and just not even swing at a pitch? Yes, Trent Grisham, I guess. But you know, you get my point. Hater actually refuses to play. Soto doesn't refuse to play. I'm not a huge Soto fan. I think a lot of his stats end up being empty and they pile on in the 12-2 games and shit like that. But he come, he plays every day. Yes, he wants his stats. Man, he's still playing. Why? It isn't because of the season. He wants his extra stats, too. Tatis plays every day. Kim would have played every day unless I don't know, he got food poisoned or they kept him out whatever it was, but you know if they asked him, he would have played. Haters the only guy who refuses to actually play and he cost the team the season and yes they probably would have gone nowhere with the injuries but who knows maybe musgrove would be back up and running if there was an actual chance so i blamed hater months ago before anyone even mentioned hater and now on all the shows including yours every time i tune in it's how much everybody hates hater i was first on that bus So, unlike Manny's bandwagon, I got room for every, unlike that, I got room for everybody that hates this guy because I was actually a fan, but I turned on him because I could see he's only out for his bag. And I know whoever gives it to him next year, he'll do whatever. He'll pitch four outs. He'll pitch two innings. He'll pitch back to back to back to back to back to back. However many backs you got, he'll do it because he'll be guaranteed and he won't care if he gets hurt because then he can sit around like Drew Pomeranz for six years and collect money. Anyway. That's my hater rant, but I, yeah, just wanted, and, yeah, I wanted I was, my props for being early. That's all. That's yeah. No,
0: want. I'll give you. Pro- I was on that train. I was probably the first one on the, tr- on your train after that. I, I've been talking about Josh hater and maybe some were getting tired of it uh, before this quote came out last night from Josh. But I kept saying like, why? I didn't know who it was to blame the Padres or hater um, because The Padres, I feel like sometimes they would be like, yeah, okay, Josh, three outs only just because he's a star and they want to make that guy happy. Maybe they want to try to sign him or whatever. Um, And earlier on in the season, there was merit to him not going back-to-back-to-back games or him going four outs because he and the Padres were saying, yeah, he's gearing up. He's trying to be healthy for the stretch run for the end of the season. Well, we get to the end of the season, and this is what he's doing. We get to August, beginning of August, when he needs to be pitching in games. I don't care what the score is. If you're down by a run, he needs to still be pitching in games, like he did recently, by the way, when they were down by one run and he pitched in that game. He needed to do that when they were actually more in it and there was more time, way more time in the season. So it would be one thing if he was pitching all the time now, When he said earlier on in the season, yeah, saving my arm, trying to gear up, trying to be healthy for when it matters the most at the end of the year. That's what he was saying. That's what the Padres were saying. But now we get to this point, and he's still demanding that he only goes three outs. And he doesn't want to pitch the eighth inning. While his other teammates, by the way, that are going to be making less money than him next year, are sitting there going more than three outs and being willing to do whatever the team wants. To help the team win. That's a problem I have uh with Josh Hader, with uh, just how things have been run this season for the Padres. I see Pedro's in here. What's up, Pedro? How's it going, man?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, you and Matt are are on the money there, but uh what why are we letting Snell skate free? Is is it just what do you mean?
0: He's well he, I'm, he, pitched, I'm just... he pitched yesterday.
2: Exactly. We're just gonna let him uh don't you want the Cyang? Are you just gonna back He already into has it? it.
0: He already has exactly.
2: Cyang. Yeah, but isn't the season on the line? Is isn't that what we're talking about? Haters not coming in because this is potentially mathematically we're we're in it. Why didn't why didn't Snell, you know, and I'm I'm not saying Snell's a bad player, you know, what do you get mean, why money? didn't
0: Snow Snell? Snell pitched six innings yesterday? Six shutout innings.
2: And what did his uh compadre your counterpart do on the other side? They were on the same yeah, he, they, we were in the same boat. We got the same record, same elimination, everything. That guy went and he got the game. So I'm I'm just saying well, that's that.
0: Two, that's two different things, though. Like, Snow, that was just pitch count. That's just what it was. Where Josh Hader saying, could have been in the game to finish it. You like
2: could have gotten. You I'm not saying complete game, but give me one more inning because he was cruising, wasn't he? He got in. He was at 100 his, pitches. He was
0: at 100. Yeah, I know. I know.
2: I know. But he, he gets in his little jams. That's why his pitch counts up. But he was pretty much, they weren't hitting his stuff. He was throwing everything in the ground. And then he'd, throw, he'd blow his little fastball to strike him out or throw the curve. But I'm just saying, Snell, that's, you know, that's kind of the epitome of the whole season. The Padres, this could have been game seven. We could have been, this could have been the whole uh, fairy tale. Uh, season, and this is what it would have come down to Bomell not having control of the players. Uh, he, he'd have to send Nabla ne- to go a uh, bag Hater to come in game six, seven of the championship series or World Series. Bomell doesn't have control of Manny, Hater, Snell like they all control what's going on because you know it's, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of like a, a a running circus out there. I'm just saying, Snell. I get. I get. He was at a hundred pitches, but or is there some grit or tenacity like the Logan Webb guy? You know, he's 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 pitched probably in the playoffs, back to back when they won championships. So, I'm just saying that's what it takes to uh, get into Logan, the playoffs. If,
0: Logan if Webb. He he, is, he was not on the championship teams. You no, know, I mean in the
2: play yeah. in the playoffs. You know, don't get me wrong. In the playoffs, like those guys, they're battling the Dodgers in those tough scenarios. That's what it kind of takes. It takes those kind of – that mentality. That's what we're talking about, the mentality of this group.
0: Yeah, They don't I, got, I, I, they don't I, got I what it takes. on that with Snell. With Snell, he could have pitched against the A's, get an extra day off. He wanted the Dodgers in L.A., and he shoved and gave up No, one I,
2: I get earlier on he was trying to, like – because we were still in the hunt, you know, mathematically. But these last – you know, when that Web guy – like, where's the competitive juices, like? You know, when you used to see Kirk shut out innings. Kurt, what do you mean, Kirk with the bloody sock? And uh, I don't know. You, so it's just you should be
0: pointing that. You should be pointing that at guys like Josh Hader, not Blake Snell. Blake Snell Hader, Hader
2: never even came in the game. So we already because knew he's he, a diva. We already knew that. That's, that's been no, his. But his you're,
0: you should have your anger at Josh Hader, not Blake Snell, the guy that pitched and pitched six shutout innings to help his. But
2: team. if you're cruising and we need that game, come on, buddy. He was at go. 100
0: pitches. Oh my God! It, it,
2: so, so his arm was done. Is, I'm just saying. I'm not saying, com- saying right? I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying complete game, but you know, that's. Uh, I, I, everyone wanted him to get the the no hitter the other night. So, what's the difference now? Mm-hmm. I, I'll leave it at that. But uh, I'm I'm just kind of not impressed with Snell. You know, uh, he kind of bows out to, like you said earlier, to keep the ERA at, at that spot. And it's for the whole uh, contract thing. So, you know, he's, know. In a, I, I, I he's in it I he's gonna get his bag and uh, you know, his cheers when he comes back, but uh you know, he, he didn't have those competitive juices the the last two seasons. It took him half the season to get it going and uh I don't think we'd get if we re-sign snow, you weren't gonna get this snow. But uh, no,
0: I I agree on that. Like yeah, like numbers wise, yeah, you're probably not gonna get that because yeah, he's gonna go back to his 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 like
2: first his first half, you know, being trash, and then he'll show up in August September. So you know, uh, who wants that for like thirty mil uh, a year or whatever it was gonna cost? So, but you know, that 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 was just a epitome of the season. Bono not having the reins uh or or you know the control of the team. Who's going to do that
0: then? If it if it's not Bob Melvin, with all respect, if it's not Bob Melvin, who's going to have who's going to be able to control Manny Machado, Josh Hader? It's got to be someone. Players. That's not on Bob. No, no, I know that. that
2: no, but I mean, in the future, if Bob parts ways or he's fired, they're going to have to have someone that controls the clubhouse and tells these guys, hey, this is how it's going to go down. Uh, That I kind of made a comment. Maybe he should have put his foot down in the WBC and say, "Come on, guys, this is it. This is kind of like Jordan's last uh, championship. Let's kind of, you know, that little documentary they did. This is kind of this is it. You got Snell in his prime, uh, Darvish, uh, Musgrove. If he's not stepping on hot turf or throwing uh, kettlebells around his head and hurting his uh, body <laughs> or deep diving, come on, that guy's got to take it easy too, but." <laughs> Uh, we get it, we get it, Musgrove, but uh, he's got to chill out this uh, off season. But this this was the season. It's a lost season. It's sad. It's uh, and uh, and I guess Bob Melvin's a scapegoat for you know. I, and I don't, I didn't want it to be that way, but it's obvious that that's kind of who they're going to pin it on. And well,
0: okay, but you're saying you don't want Bob Melvin to be the scapegoat, but then you're saying that he doesn't have control. No, of, he's like going to be the scapegoat. What's I I what... didn't
2: like Bob Melvin the whole season because it, it you could see it from the beginning.
0: Okay, but did have control. He's gonna... Okay, but he's going saying... to be the
2: scapegoat. Yeah, it's so obvious. You're saying,
0: but if you say he's going to be the scapegoat, that means you think that he shouldn't. The
2: brother's is going to stay, and uh, they'll probably try because of the whole cider situation. He's kind of his health is not a hundred percent, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's kind of for things to come uh, with the the Gruttner a little uh, where he kind of went on the flagship and kind of, you know, threw him under the bus. But we'll see, you know, I'm whatever it takes to get a championship, even if they have to trade some of these guys like Soto to get some pitching back, uh, you know, you know, he's good, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get the chip, I guess,
0: for the city. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Pedro. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Padre fans coming on. So if you want to come on the show, click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. Obviously, I might disagree with you on some things, but we'll agree on some other things as well. Um, I will talk about the Juan Soto thing and the payroll here in a little bit. Touching on Blake Snell, his ERA is now one point two zero after last night's outing. Or excuse me, his ERA is not one point two zero. He had a one he has a one two zero ERA in that twenty three game span. The last person to do that was Bob Gibson, long time ago, with the Cardinals. So he is one. He is on one heck of a run. His ERA leads baseball among qualified starting pitchers. He he's just been dominant this season. I mean, he started out not dominant, and it kind of looked like the same old Blake Snell. But when you look at the the total sample size this season, he has been dominant. Two hundred thirty four punch outs, one hundred eighty innings. 32 starts 225 ERA I mean I'll take that every year but I just don't think that that's going to happen every year and he's what 31 I don't want to give that guy 180 200 million dollars coming off of his peak season the Padres have already done that a lot with other guys and uh, I love the Don and Mud Blake Snell interviews I love when Blake Snell's on like it was freaking entertaining to watch that guy pitch yesterday for sure but is he going to be that throughout his contract? The answer is no. You look at the Padres' money situation and I'm like, yeah, probably just doesn't fit. I mean, the Darvish money, you could have given that to Blake Snell, but obviously that's looking in hindsight and this that Darvish decision came before um, you know, Blake Snell had this Cy Young season. If the Padres knew he was going to have this Cy Young season, would they have given Darvish the money? Maybe they would have because they didn't. They wouldn't want to pay for Snell or overpay for Snell, you know? Um, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Blake, he has been amazing. There was an update on Blake Snell, and this was from Kevin A.C. in the San Diego Union-Tribune. Blake Snell is going to be talking with the Padres and Scott Boris before deciding on if he makes his final start against the White Sox. Uh, Snell says, we'll figure it out in the next couple of days. Right now, though, I'm really happy with how I finished the season so far. And some might not like that because it's like, oh, he's not going to finish out the season. Oh, he's just looking for his, out for himself and the Cy Young and all that. But I differentiate him and Josh Hader. Yes, I was mad still at Snell about the ERA stuff, him bringing that up with the media, like, yeah, we're going to check with the scorekeeper about that. Yeah, I didn't like that. But he wasn't hiding from the Dodgers. He made this start when he probably could have shut it down and they're probably going to be mathematically eliminated when that next start comes around. So it's not like we're going to be able to sit here and say, well, the Padres, they're not mathematically eliminated. Why is he not making this start? No. I mean, we can say that about Josh Hader, right? About how, what happened last night, what happened earlier this season? No, Blake Snell. if you look at his outings down the stretch here, when the Padres were still in it, I mean, if we start at early August, right, right after the trade deadline, five innings. Okay. Not his best outing, but then after that, every single outing after that, he's gone at least six innings. I mean, if you have a solid bullpen, that's definitely doing his job there, especially for the Blake Snell standards that we have had. You know, going into the season, his first halves: six innings, two runs on August 11th, Then six innings, two runs; six innings, three runs; seven innings, no runs; six innings, no runs; six innings, two runs; six innings, no runs; seven innings, no runs. Six innings, no runs. I mean, what more do you want from this guy? Right? So he's continued to pitch, he's continued to do his job. It doesn't seem like he is the one that's like saying, Nope, I am not going seven innings. I am not no more than five innings or anything like that, like Josh Hader is saying, only three outs, ninth inning. Like it seems like he's telling the Padres, right? He's been doing his job. He has said quotes about how it sucks that this team's not winning. And I think he said something to the effect of last night, like this is going to be the most talented team that he'll ever be on. And it just sucks that they haven't been able to win. Don't know if he's going to ever have this much talent on a team again in his career. And so, yeah, it's definitely a, a missed opportunity. So I, I differentiate Snell and Hayter a little bit. Um, All right, let's get to, what should I get to now? I'm going to get to the Bob Melvin stuff, Dennis Lynn, widespread speculation, what Dennis Lynn put uh, in his athletic piece. I'm going to get to that after this break. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so Dennis Lynn in The Athletic, this was, I believe, on Sunday after the Padres' final game at Peco Park of the 2023 season. He said that there's widespread speculation that Melvin will either voluntarily leave the organization or be fired after the season. So, widespread speculation that Melvin will be gone. And I want to, before I get into this, I want to point out this is speculation. This is not Dennis Lynn talking to Bob Melvin. And Bob Melvin telling Dennis Lynn, yeah, I'm thinking about leaving this organization and just saying, see ya. Not that. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's Dennis Lynn talking to AJ Preller and AJ Preller telling Dennis, yeah, probably going to fire him after the season. It's just widespread speculation from probably people in the Padres front office, maybe people around baseball that maybe have talked with people in the Padres organization. And that's just the feel that he is getting. That's what I got from what Dennis Lynn wrote. And now, widespread speculation Melvin will either voluntarily leave. Let's hit on that point first. Do I think that that's even on the table? Maybe it's on the table, but it's like it's about to fall off the table, if that makes sense. Like it's half on the table, half off. I don't really think it's on the table. I don't think Bob Melvin would voluntarily leave because he's leaving millions of dollars on the table that he has on, on his contract for 2024. And him voluntarily leaving. He might not want to deal with A.J. Preller, but him voluntarily leaving would probably, in his eyes, send a message that I am quitting on my clubhouse. I am quitting on my players, and that is not something that I want to do. I am not going to quit on these players. I'm going to finish my contract. And everything that he has said to the media, you might not want to take any stock into it because he's just media talk, right? It's just media speak. This is just what he's going to say, obviously. He's not going to tell the media what he's truly feeling if he truly wants to walk away right but what he has told the media so far is i'm going to keep managing this team unless told otherwise and i haven't been told otherwise about being brought back for 2024 so i don't see this really being much of a possibility at all of bob melvin voluntarily leaving the organization now him being fired that's a totally different thing that is definitely a possibility because a.j preller him and bob melvin don't get along A.J. Preller can make Bob Melvin be the scapegoat. Or even if he's not trying to make Bob Melvin the scapegoat, he's just saying, I need someone that I can communicate better with, and we need someone on the same page. Peter, you believe in me, so please let me hire someone that believes in what I am thinking here. We're not on the same page, so I need to bring Ryan Flaherty back to be the manager, and we'll be on the same page. Let this happen. If it doesn't work, then you can let me go. Now, probably not going to say that, but that's probably what Seidler is going to think. If, hey, if I let you hire Ryan Flaherty and have him be promoted to be the manager, this is another manager. In my opinion, I don't think that AJ should be even allowed to hire another manager. If I'm Peter Seidler and AJ comes to my office, or I know Peter, he's not in the office right now, but he comes to me, FaceTime, call, whatever, text, whatever, and he tells me, I want to fire Bob Melvin. I believe this is the right move for the organization. We're not on the same page. It's just not going to work next year. I believe we need to go in a different direction. If I was Peter Seidler, I would say, okay, you're fired too. That, that's simple. Because A.J. Preller, right, the Padres, they allowed him to go hire Andy Green, who had no managing experience, was like the third base coach or something for the D-backs. Yeah, we're going to hire him let him hire Jace Tingler who had like no managing major league baseball experience comes to the press conference and says, I've been managing games in my mind. There's the 2021 athletic piece about Tingler losing the clubhouse and reports about that and not much respect for Jace Tingler and all that. Right. So he gets fired. He allows him to hire Bob Melvin, which obviously I would allow my guy to my president of baseball, my GM to hire Bob Melvin because he's an experienced manager one of the more respected managers in baseball, but then you're going to let them hire another manager. Like if Bob Melvin didn't work, if your AJ Preller guys didn't work, AJ Tingler and Annie green, your best buddies, they didn't work. The most experienced guy on the market. We didn't even know that this guy was available, but you bring in Bob Melvin, one of the more respected managers in baseball. Any combination of manager hasn't worked with AJ Preller under control here, right? As control of the, the controller of this team, this organization, right? At what point does Peter Seiler sit there and be like, this is on the guy that's been here the entire time, AJ Preller? And I, I just don't know if he's going to do that. So, AJ, yeah, Bob being fired here, that's definitely more of a possibility in my mind than um, Bob Melvin voluntarily leaving. Now, Kevin Acey did write in the San Diego Union-Tribune this week. I believe it was yesterday, earlier this week. He wrote in the San Diego Union-Tribune about how it hasn't been finalized yet. I saw this article, and it. it, it I was kind of reading in between the lines a little bit, and it's like, okay, maybe A.J. Preller, there is a chance that he ends up being gone. Because there hasn't been a full, there hasn't been, it hasn't been decided yet. Kevin says here, the people making decisions regarding the team's baseball personnel, both who is acquired and how they are used could be different than those who have been doing so. That reality looms large over the next week or so. Whatever happens with A.J. Preller, Bob Melvin, the approach to revamping the roster this offseason will be altered, according to several sources familiar with the Padres' plan. But who is making these these decisions have not been actually decided yet. So that, that, that got my mind thinking. Like, okay, so is there a little bit of a shot here? Is there a little bit of an opening for AJ not to be the president of baseball operations, to not be the general manager here moving forward? I think maybe. So we'll see. I don't think that... It feels like Peter Sidler will stick with AJ Preller, especially with what he's going through with his health and all that. Like, he, all he probably wants right now is stability. But why would he want instability with the manager spot again? You know, maybe these two work it out in the offseason and Preller and Melvin stay together and they do it one more year. And it's like, yeah, this is the last dance. Like, uh, we know we're not getting along. We're going to do it for one more year because I know. From AJ's perspective, maybe he tells Bob, hey, I know that you only have one more year on your contract. The players respect you. We might not get along totally well, but I'm going to give you one more year because you deserve that. The players want you to have this at least one more year. At least that's what it seems like. And then Bob can be like, yeah, I have one more year under this contract. I'm a respected manager. My players respect me. I might not get along with you, but you brought me in here to come win a World Series. You brought me in here for three years. So let me do my job. Let me get this final season, and then I'll be done. Regardless of what happens, we'll move our separate ways. I'll be done. But give me one more season. You got to give me that chance. Give Juan Soto that chance here with the Padres to start the season. Give me that chance, and we'll see what happens. Maybe they do that. But I mean, one player in that athletic piece by Dennis Lynn last week and Ken Rosenthal describe the relationship as unfixable. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But, yeah, widespread speculation that Melvin will either voluntarily leave or be fired after the season. I think him being fired is much more of a possibility than him voluntarily leaving. Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Xander Bogart, Juan Soto, Joe Musgrove, you Darvish, a roster with those players on it, That's going to be a pretty dang good roster on paper probably going into next season as well. And he'll have a probably good shot on paper of winning the World Series. I don't think he's going to walk away from that and walk away from millions of dollars that is on his contract. Because if he walks away, the Padres don't pay him that money. If he gets fired, the Padres have to pay him that money. right? So the Padres might want him to walk away uh, if the Padres don't want Bob Melvin for 2024. But if I'm Bob Melvin, I'm not walking away. I'm making the Padres fire me so I can collect that check, right? All right, so that is the Bob Melvin stuff there. Uh, Manny Machado, that's another topic I wanted to hit on. Don't worry, I will get to the chat. I'm going to get to the super chats, any super chats that are there. Please keep having them come on in. You'll be first in line when I go to the chat. I just want to give my thoughts. I have a bunch of topics that I'm giving my thoughts on. If you want to join the show, you can join the show. Click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. I'm definitely going to get to the chat. Not forgetting about you guys. Trust me. Uh, Manny Machado, he said some things in the clubhouse at Petco Park after Sunday's game that I didn't get to because I didn't hear the sound. Because I did my series reaction live show after Sunday's game when I got home from Petco. And that I didn't hear that audio or that, that video before I went on. So I didn't get to that. But I wanted to cover it here. Uh, Manny talking about how things didn't go as you guys planned like if you go watch go watch that marty caswell on youtube great stuff Uh, clubhouse access when the padres are at home great stuff there and this was important not just to hear the audio but you saw like manny visually and this was a question i think about fernando tatis jr and the season that he had but manny machado is blaming the media about the Padres and their why they failed. Like, the media had these high expectations on the Padres. Things didn't go as you guys planned. It goes back to what you guys set, these expectations on these people. Um, yeah, he was asked about Tatis. The media puts these expectations on players. And then later, when he was talking to the media here, he said, quote, you guys always write everything I don't say, quote, End quote. It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sure people that were there, Kevin A.C., A.J. Caswell, Dennis Lynn, Marty Caswell, people that were there during that media scrum were probably thinking to themselves or looking at each other like, what is this dude talking about? We write things. We always write things. Write everything that Manny doesn't say. What? You, what is he talking about? Does Manny forget that he was on that stage in FanFest Clapping when Tatis said, "Like it doesn't matter who we're gonna face because we're gonna win it all." Wasn't Manny the one on that stage at Fan Fest talking about a parade? the The word parade came out of his mouth at Fan Fest on that stage. He was part of the expectations being set on this Padres roster. So for you to blame the media, and then when the Kevin Acey piece came out about people have these certain narratives, you know, these that they are gonna write and all that. And Yonder Alonso, the brother-in-law, you know, obviously calling Kevin Acy a bum and all that. It's like you guys are saying this stuff. Manny, you're the one that said to Kevin Acey earlier this season in the dugout at Dodger Stadium that we didn't want, we didn't want it bad enough. Not believing in clubhouse culture. And I believe at some point in this conversation here, this, this media scrum on Sunday, he talked about not meeting expectations. I don't know if it was this past homestand, but the homestand before that, he mentioned how he he and the Padres have let the city down. He's let a lot of people in this city down. He's let Peter Seidler down. Why have you let those people down? Because of the expectations that you knew that you had going into the season. So don't just blame this on the media. You guys do this. You guys do that. You guys always write everything I don't say. Like What are you talking about? I love Manny as a talent, love him as a player like that. Like I I like that. He posts every day. He leads by example that way. And this this guy is a hall of fame talent, but some of the stuff that he says and how he treats some people in the media, it's like, what do you, why, what's the point of that? And I guess this is just how Manny has been in his career. And it's just, it's not just Kevin Acey. I mean, he has did this to, I believe Marty Caswell earlier this season talking about an injury Um, it's like some days he's in a really good mood and some days he's not. And then he goes at the media. It's like you guys had high expectations for you at least you should have had high expectations for yourself. I in fact know that you had high expectations for yourself because of what you said on that stage at FanFest before the season even started, before you went out to Arizona for spring training, you were talking about the world series. You Xander Tatis, you were all playing along into it. So you guys had the expectations too. So how about just say we didn't play well enough. We let this city down and just leave it at that. He has said that at some points this year. So I want to give him credit for that. I'm not just going to fully bash Manny and be like everything that he says doesn't make sense, but leave it at that. Don't go trying to be like the expectations that you guys set on people and trying to spin this as like the media, it's the media Doing you wrong or doing the Padres players wrong and all that. It's like, no, you guys just weren't good enough this season. Before you got hurt, that hit by pitch, you weren't playing well enough. This season has been a down season for a lot of guys on this team, and you just have to be better next season. Right? Just take accountability like you have at some points this year, Manny, and leave it at that. That's all that needs to happen. That's all. I think that's all we want to hear. You know, Aaron Judge with the New York Yankees saying how this season is a failure. No World Series, it's a failure. And how things need to get better. Logan Webb, San Francisco Giants, talking about the Cy Young, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm tired of losing. Just do that. That's all you gotta say. Just say that. Don't quit. Don't, next year, have these same quotes about, yeah, we just didn't want it as bad as other, some other, as, as some other teams. We just didn't want it bad enough. Just be accountable, be better next season. That's all. You don't have to go blaming it on other people. Just not not a good look there, Manny. Not a good look, dude. All right, there's another thing here. Uh, Kevin Acey, he wrote in the San Diego Union-Tribune, the plan for 2024 is to have a payroll, the player commitments, for around $200 million. If you didn't know, the Padres' payroll right now is at around $253 million. So that's a significant drop. $200 million, $253 million, dropping it to 200 mil. And by the way, next year, I believe that the luxury tax threshold is like 237. It's 233 this year. I think 237. So it doesn't have to drop that low for the Padres to be under the luxury tax. And Kevin A.C., he has been incorrect. In the past, he said, I think, last offseason, Padres only had like $20, $25 million to spend, and they end up bringing in Xander Bogart to making all these moves. So, obviously, the Padres' plans changed, or Peter Seidler's plans changed, or A.J. Preller's plans changed, Instead, and it just happened, right? Um, so, with all that said, this is just reporting from someone that covers this team and has sources in the organization. and around baseball, I guess, around the organization. He is saying that, yeah, they, they plan to decrease payroll, which we already knew about, decrease to around $200 million. But I'm my question is like, okay, how is that going to happen? How are the Padres going to get that if that's what they want to do? Because Soto's making around $30 million next year. Okay, if you take that off the books, right, his last year last year of arbitration, it's probably going to be around 30 mil. You take that off if you trade him. That saves you a lot of money there. Snell, $16.6 million this year. Take that off. If he doesn't come back, Hader, $14.1 million. Hopefully he doesn't come back. Waka, let's say they don't bring him back because they don't want to give him the two club options for 16 and a half mil, I think, for 24 and 25, right? Okay, you take four, You take uh, $7.5 million off the books. Because that's what he was making this year. Garcia, three point seven five mil, take that off. Rich Hill, two point six mil, take that off. G-Man Choi, one point five two million dollars, take that off. Gary Sanchez, one point four mil, take that off. Garrett Cooper, one three seven mil, take that off. Drew Pomeranz, free agent. If he comes back, it would probably be on a minor league deal, ten million dollars, take that off. Tim Hill was mentioned in this article by Kevin A. C. Maybe. I think that's his final year of arbitration. Maybe they don't bring him back because that's $3 million that they don't want to give to Tim Hill. Nelson Cruz, remember him? $1 million. Take that off. Adam Engel. Adam Engel. Remember, he got a $1 million. Take that off. You add all that up, and that's 93, I think, a little over $93 million that the Padres would be taking off the books in comparison to the payroll right now. Right? Now, let's say... Soto stays because I think that's the right decision. Juan Soto stays with the Padres because Juan Soto helps you win baseball games. I just think he does his offense. He helps you win baseball games. I, I just don't believe that you're a better team. You're going to score more runs with Juan Soto not on your team. I just don't. I just don't see that. And I want to at least give it a try at the start of next season. Trade deadline. It's not working out. Okay, then you can want You can decide to trade him. But I want to give it a shot. So let's say Soto stays; they pay him thirty million dollars. So they save a little over sixty-three million dollars with all those players not named Juan Soto there that I named, right? So that gets their payroll around one hundred ninety million dollars. Now you go to Spot Track; it says their adjusted salary ex- uh, expectation for twenty twenty-four is a little over one hundred seventy mil. So those are different—one ninety from like my math compared to one seventy-one point eight, I think, for Spot Track is what they're saying. So it is different there, but let's say it's 190. Let's say it's the number I came up with, 190 with all of those players subtracted and they want to be around $200 million. Let's say AC's right. You got to find a replacement for Blake Snell. You got to find a replacement for, maybe you don't because you have Suarez and uh, Barlow for the closer spot, but you still have to find replacements for those bodies, right? You need bodies in that bullpen for Tim Hill, Luis Garcia, Josh Hader, Josh Hader's been really good this season when he has pitched. You got to find a first baseman. You got to find those replacements. Let's say you don't bring back Gary Sanchez. You got to find a. You're going to have Brett Sullivan be the backup catcher. Maybe they're fine with that. Austin Nola. Maybe they're fine with that. And have Campy be the full starter and have those guys be the backup. Maybe. But I think they'd sign another catcher. So you're going to have to add back to that payroll. And how much money? Is that going to cost? Is it going to cost $30 million for all of that? And they're just going to go with short deals? How are they going to accomplish this? If they want to get around $200 million, if the payroll is going to be at like 190, if it's at 171.8, like Spot Track, I think, is saying here, then they have more room to do that. But you also have Peter Sither, you also have AJ Preller still. They do some unexpected things in the off season and plans can change really quickly based on something that comes up. Maybe someone is becomes really interested in a player based on what he is asking for or Peter Seidler loves a guy and he goes and gives him whatever he wants. They could bring back Michael Walker and that on add on adds on to it. You know, like it's going to, it's going to be, I don't think that there's going to be very much room. If they want to get all the way down to 200 million, you're not going to have much room to make moves. And so I don't see them getting to 200 million dollars. I see them being below the luxury tax. I, I see them being below 233 next year, but I don't see them getting all the way down to 200 million dollars. That's a $50 million drop. That's a significant drop in payroll. And I know that they probably have to drop the payroll. And I'm fine with them dropping the payroll. It's about making the right decisions. As someone, as one of the front office people told Kevin A. C. in this piece that he wrote the other day, it's about making the right decisions. It's not about just giving the the most money to all these players. It's about making the right decisions, bringing the right players in, as the Tampa Bay Rays would tell you, as the New York Mets would tell you, right? Because they didn't make the postseason with even a bigger payroll than the Padres this year, as the Yankees would tell you, right? They're a top three payroll team. I think they were ahead of the Padres. They're not making the postseason this year. It's about making the right decision. So if they win, I don't really care where the payroll's at. But if you have a higher payroll, usually you have a better chance at winning. And just that big of a decrease in the payroll, I just don't see that happening. Because you have to, they're, they're going to try to win in 2024. It's not like they're going to just have these guys walk and have AAA guys come up and fill those spots. I don't see that happening. It'll happen for some of the spots, but not for all of them. For the starting rotation, how are you going to fill that out? Because your top prospects, those guys are probably a couple years away. Your top pitching prospects. They're not going to just go be a starting pitcher right out of the gate next year, right? And save you a bunch of money making less than a million dollars on their rookie deal. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Probably for that rotation. Because next year, you have, let's say they bring back Nick Martinez, okay? So you have Nick, you have Joe, you have Darvish. Maybe you have Lugo even. Okay, but what are you going to do with that fifth spot? You're just going to be okay with having it be a a roster battle in spring training between Pedro Avila and Matt Waldron? You're going to be fine with that? I mean, look at this season. Look how many pitchers that they signed, and they still ended up with Matt Waldron and Pedro Avila starting games here late in the season. You know, all of the depth guys that they brought in, some just didn't perform that great in the minor league season, like Jay Groom. Some guys with the what was part of their contract, they were allowed to leave because they weren't given the opportunity at the big league level, like Julio Tehran. You're going to have to spend more money here. It's not just, I, I don't see, I don't think that's the best, just to be okay with having the same rotation, and you're just going to have the current guys that you have, Avila and Waldron and start, you know, competing for the fifth spot. Those are guys that should be in the minor leagues to start the season and be depth guys. Make a spot start. Remember Ryan, what? They don't have Ryan Weathers. They don't have Jackson Wolf. They're going to have to sign other guys than just a fifth starter. And we'll see. Maybe Lugo ends up going. Maybe Nick ends up going because the Padres don't want to give him $16 million next year. I think that's what it would be. So maybe the only options that they'll have because Lugo, Waka, and Nick go, like that's worst case, and Snell, obviously. They'd have Darvish, Musgrove, and then Walter law and you're gonna have to go find pieces. They can make trades as well, but then you're dealing from farm system, you're probably dealing from some major league like, talent. Are you willing to give up someone like Hassan Kim or I don't know, name a player? Are you willing to give that guy up? So yeah, um I see them getting below two thirty-three, and there's a lot of money coming off the books this year, which makes their job a little bit easier, but it's not gonna be super easy. I mean, Eric Hosmer's still gonna be making money next year, sitting on his couch, not doing anything. I think he's making like twelve million dollars or something for the next couple years. So there's the dead money still that's hurting this team. I'm I'm glad that the Drew Pomerantz contract is off the books, come, gonna be off the books, obviously. But it's it's about making the right decisions next year for this Padres team. No doubt it is about making the right decisions. All right. Anything else I haven't covered here? I think that's it. I'm gonna. I see 200 comments in the chat, so I'm going to spend the last part of the show here getting to some comments. If you, I'm gonna hand this show over to you guys now. If you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat, and I'll have you come on. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, use that super chat button, and I'll be getting to those after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments in pickup games. Just pick higher or lower on two to five players stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross team, cross league, and even cross sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes. Or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKING FRIERS, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, back to the chat here. I see Pedro. He has the super chat here. So front of the line. Thank you so much, Pedro. He says, appreciation post. How do these bat boys, baseball kids get on the field and ask the Padres questions Ben? They're on TikTok and Instagram, but appreciate the banter and you don't take it personally. Yeah, I know that they're pretty huge on social media so that's how um but yeah that's interesting yeah because the Padres they say that only like large media organizations like the Union Tribunes 97.3 The Fan San Diego Sports 760 NBC Fox stuff those stuff you know the, the the normal publications right the media outlets that's who they give credentials to but I guess they're handing out credentials to these guys too, but they can't hand it out credentials to uh, someone like myself um, who does this every day. Um, but, hey, it's it's their organization. They can make the rules. I disagree with some of the stuff, but especially when like people I ask in the organization say yes, that they'll come on and they want to come on. Um, and I'm not allowed to do that. But, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how these, and it's nothing against those Bat Boy. I, I I like the questions that they ask. It's entertaining for sure. We can. There's no. There's more like background. We get to know about the players and all that. But I I don't know. I don't know how they get on. I don't know how they get the credentials to get on the field. But um, some other people don't. Yeah. Good question. Don't know. You'd have to ask the Padres about that. All right, I'm going to go to the top of the chat here again if you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question because there are a lot of them in here. You can use that super chat uh function there in the the uh in the live chat and I will definitely get to you. Thank you so much for everyone that is tuning in here. Talking for hours episode 477 uh on YouTube, you're watching live or on replay, you are listening to on the uh podcast platforms. I appreciate all the support. Anyone that is doing this, if you're on YouTube, by the way, um, if you want to be a part of these live streams and you're not a part of them already, just a reminder, you can subscribe and click the notification bell. If you're subscribed already, maybe you haven't clicked the notification bell and turn on, I believe, all and you will get a notification when I'm about to go live, I think like 30 minutes before or when I do go live. So you'll know. Um, so that's how you can participate in some of these. All right, Chad asks, "How is how is uh, how is Preller still employed?" Yeah, good question. Not actually not a good question, because Preller should be employed in just a different area. I love AJ Preller as a scout. I love that he works his butt off, but just not in the position that he's at. If he works his butt off as a scout, we know that he's one of the best scouts on the planet. Like, that's great because you want to get as many eyes as possible, as many games as possible about these players so that you are as well-informed as possible. You want to know as much about their background as possible so you're as well-informed as informed as you can going into the draft or going into the trade deadline or whatever, right, going into the offseason, right? I like that about A.J. Preller. But it's the part of when things go wrong, he steps in, he has an input on everything, he micromanages. That's not what I want out of someone in the president of baseball operations, general manager chair, When you, especially when you have Bob Melvin as your manager. You have people that know what they're doing on that coaching staff, and you feel a need to continue to butt in. That's where, so Preller, he still should be employed. He's a smart baseball guy. I just think that, He steps over the line, it seems like, as the president of baseball operations, the GM, he should just let people do their job more. If he was the Padres head of scouting or something, sign me up. Director of amateur scouting or whatever, sign me up. Because you look at some of the players that they've drafted, it's a decent track record. They're now on other teams like performing really well. But it seems like he made the right draft pick at the time. That's not what he's bad at. There's just other things where it's like someone else should be in that chair, you know. But I get your point, Chad. How is Prowler still employed as like the president of baseball ops, the, the GM? Um, this was a comment from earlier. Uh, Mike says, I've got popcorn. JD's third. This will be juicy. Me too. Has a cake <laughs> because they knew that I was going to go on that Josh Hader rant probably. Chad says, "Can't wait for this season to be over, and we can watch to see what the aftermath will end up being." Me too. Black Monday, the final, or the day after the the regular season ends on Sunday, we'll see if the Padres immediately make moves. Is Bob Melvin gone? Is AJ Preller gone? Seems like that decision hasn't fully been made yet, but maybe that's just what people are telling Kevin Ac right now. Um, I lean towards Preller still staying and I lean towards Melvin going, but I don't think it's going to be Melvin voluntarily saying, yeah, I'll just leave. Um, All right, continuing to go through the chat here. Chad says, if only Preller could see the writing on the wall about this team back at the deadline and actually get players back for snow and hater before they walk, exactly that was my point before the deadline and ever since i i I mean i wanted to be wrong about it like them go on this run and them go to the postseason because we want them to win games right like we're padres fans but i knew that it wasn't going to work out this season right so i don't want to say that like yeah i was right oh my and put my chest out about oh i was right i was right because i'm not right about everything and i want them to win but if fans could see it, isn't that a problem that the president of baseball ops couldn't see it? Dino's five one five zero says if Suarez did his job, wouldn't be a problem. So if he got out of that inning, but here's the thing: he pitched in the seventh inning, right? Didn't he pitch coming in in the seventh inning? If his if he had an inning like Josh Hader did, it was the eighth inning. He was a team player and went into the seventh inning, right? And he went and tried to get four outs in that situation, and obviously he gave up the lead, right? But he tried to be a team player. Josh Hader hasn't been doing that. That's a problem here. He didn't do that last night. So yeah, okay, if Swars did a job, wouldn't be a problem. But if Hader try, you know, actually was willing to do his job, which is be a team player, you're getting paid fourteen million dollars. Go be a team player. Go pitch one more out. That's all we're asking. If he was willing to do his job more. Then it wouldn't maybe it wouldn't have been a problem either. Johnny says not every closer throws four outs, but the the great ones have, they sure have. Uh, JD's third says check Ben's pull check Ben's pulse. He's feisty today. I was pissed off. Yeah yeah. Just this season has pissed me off for sure. Just like it's pissed off a lot of Padres fans. JD's Third says, Padres are so unlikable. They take it for granted. Fans will accept this and keep showing up like Manny said. And I'm afraid he's right. Fans, I don't think fans are accepting this. Maybe some fans are accepting it. Padres fans are pissed off about it. But a lot of these Padres fans have season tickets. So they already have given their money over to the Padres. And we're just fans of the team. Like regardless of what is happening, we're fans of the team, right? Like that's just that's just what is. That's just how it is. We've grown up as fans of the team. A lot of us. So uh, we're not accepting it. We're just fans of the team. We're pissed off. We're still going to go to some of the the games. Season ticket holders still going to go to the games because the money have, has already been forked over to the Padres. You know. And going to the games, that's just what we do. I don't think a bunch of Padres fans are just accepting it and being fine with these guys quitting. No. Talking Tatis says, Hiring an Australian dude with no baseball experience to infiltrate the locker rooms and coaches' offices and creating a weird environment with people who just don't belong. Preller is odd. Yes, that was... I understand being out of the box like because there's been some other teams in the past that have been out of the box and those moves have worked and then now you see other teams doing that. like They're just copying these other front offices. So I get that. But it hasn't worked for six years. Six years. You have players in that clubhouse that are uncomfortable. They don't know what his job is. I mean, those are red flags. It's not like this is the first year of it and they're just experimenting with it. They renewed his contract. After what, 23, 22, 21, after 2020, I think, they renewed his contract and gave him another three years. It's, just, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Chris says, extend everyone. That's been Preller's motto, pretty much. Feels like. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. Yeah, part of chat talks about Logan Webb has a four-pitch inning. I think Pedro came on earlier in the show about why Blake Snow, why didn't he go longer in this outing while Logan Webb went long? Well, it was different. Like, Blake Snow was at 100 pitches. Yeah, he averages 20 pitches an inning, it feels like. feels like sometimes 60 pitches an inning, um, especially, like, first half of seasons when he has struggled. He walks guys. Logan Webb has the fast innings. You know, Padres swinging early in counts, being aggressive. Tatis is really aggressive, obviously, and Logan Webb's going to take advantage of that. That's how he works deep into games. And if he faces a team that doesn't swing, he's probably not going to go throw a complete game. Yeah, that's a good point, Chad. I I didn't ask Pedro this. I didn't see this in the chat. But yeah, if Bob's going to go, who do you want replacing him? I'm at this point where I, I mean, I don't think Ryan Flaherty is the best decision, but if Preller's still here and he wants alignment, is the best thing for Ryan Flaherty to be the manager because they're aligned? Because they will be aligned? And they'll be able to get along well, and there won't be this dysfunction between the GM and the manager? Is that what we want? As long as there's like good veteran former managers, good coaching staff, good support system with Ryan Flaherty as the manager, I don't know. Um, again, if, if Bob Melvin goes, like, there's no, you're not going to bring someone in that is better than Bob Melvin. Who is it out there that's available that is better than Bob Melvin? Don't give me this Aussie Gian stuff. I, I think there's a reason why he's not a manager, right? And you might see the clips of him being pissed off about the White Sox and all that. It's like, that's the guy we need. But you don't think Bob Melvin's... You think Bob Melvin's just sitting there not pissed off about this team? Of course he is. Go listen to him in post-game press conferences from earlier, way early in this season, where he had that meeting with the players. And it, I think it was during the twin series where he was like, yeah, we got to show a little bit more fight. We got to want it a little bit more. He pulled that... Early on in the season, where last year was in September, right? when he was harsh on them to the media. He pulled that early on and things didn't turn around. He talking to the media yesterday and how uncomfortable that was, right? Of course, he's pissed off about this. So if Bob can't fix this or control this, as some people want to say, then who is going to come in here and be able to control this? It's going to be the players changing their mindsets and being more team players. That's what it is. Really. Um, All right, continuing to see here in the chat, a lot of obviously people talking with each other in the chat while I was probably going on my rants today. Um, JD's third says bon, uh, Ben Bond. Ben uh, Borna says he has a source that tells him Bo Mid will resign, resign at the end of the season, and Ruben Niebla will follow suit and resign too. More like a red winning in protest of AJ. Yeah, I mean that that could if if Bo Mel does walk away, then yeah, R- R- Ruben might walk away as well. There will be other organizations that will want Ruben Niebla, and I think Ruben Niebla is by Bob Melvin's side for sure, because he's with Bob. He knows way more about Bob Melvin behind the scenes than we do. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Melvin does walk away. Maybe Ruben walks away as well. But again, I don't see. And no, I'm not here to disrespect Borna and any source that he might have. Like okay, I'm not in that. I'm I just give my opinion, my thoughts. Um, if he's in that, he's in that, whatever, okay? Um, I'm not here to trash that. I just don't think that Bo Mill would be that guy to walk away because I think he would be like, okay, I'm giving up on my players here. I have one year left on the contract. I'm walking away for millions of dollars and I'm giving up on these players. That's not who I think Bob Melvin is. So I don't think he would walk away. That's That's my viewpoint on it. Okay, continuing to go through the chat here. Johnny says, Ben, Soto is on a $23 million contract for 2024. No, but that's, I think that's before arbitration. Maybe, I don't know where you're seeing that. Maybe Spot Track puts like a a number on there. But in arbitration, he's probably going to get around $30 million. Because numbers wise, he's having, I think it's a disappointing season for Juan. If you look, if you're watching every Juan Soto game this season, because you remember how bad he was at the beginning of the year and August, he wasn't that good. Um, But the numbers will still look good and he will still have a case to make like 30 million arbitration. I don't know, did Mookie Betts, or maybe he got an extension before that last year of arbitration, but there was someone that set a record for arbitration he will probably be around that for his last year of arbitration. So I don't think it's going to be $23 million. Wasn't that this year's salary or something? Somewhere close to that? It's only going to go up. Arbitration, especially with a player like Juan Soto, it's going to go up as he gets closer to free agency. So yes, Johnny, he is signed for 2024, but not arbitration. It's not, I don't don't believe he has signed arbitration uh, he has got through that contract for 2024. He's under contract through 2024. I understand that, but they haven't gone through arbitration yet. And AJ usually doesn't go through arbitration. See, $23 million, I'm seeing that under the 2023 salary. In arbitration, that's only going to go up. If you look at Juan Soto's contract right now on track for 2024, there's no dollar value there for Juan Soto. It just says ARB 4. ARB 3, 23 mil. That was this year. And 2024, H25 season. ARB 4. There's no salary listed there. And then 2025, UFA. UFA. Unrestricted free agent. So there's there's no... It has not been decided how much he's making next year. And I believe it's probably around $30 million. Which is a lot for one guy. All right. Continuing to go through here, Diego says, love your videos, talking for hours. You were the definition of a fan, not someone who started watching because San Diego got all the hype around them. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Appreciate that, Diego. Yeah, there's some people I see people like to hate. I mean, they some people really hate me on social media for some reason. Um, they probably just don't watch the show. They don't know who I am, so I don't pay much attention to that, but of course I see it. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate the love from Padres fans at PETCO this year and from the Padres community. And there's some that think that you jump because they just see when I started my show. And they're like, oh, you started your show right when the Padres got good. You only cared about the Padres when they got good. And it's like, you, you don't know who I am. So I just, you know, trash that thought out, obviously, like whatever. Uh, because I have pictures of me when I was really young at Padres photo day with Khalil Green. Um, I have pictures of me and my cousin when we were, when we were really young um, at Petco Park um, in our old Padre hat, you know, and wearing the the old sand San Diego jersey, right? I love that one. Um, my parents love that one too. Uh, I, I believe that's my Khalil Green jersey that I had. Uh, I have a Tony Gwynn Jr., really small Tony Gwynn Jr. jersey that I still have in my closet when he wore number 18 for the Padres. Like People just don't know me, so it's okay. If you want to think that, you can think that, but it's just not true. All right, that's going to do it. Talking for Hours, episode 477. Thank you all for the time. Hour and a half. Man, that was, that flew by. A lot of thoughts for sure that I had there. Um, Just a reminder, you can use that code, talking for hours, $20 off your SeatGeek order, just to help you out there. And then check out FOCO breaking tea. Underdog Fantasy and Gaglione Bros. They support me, support them. Um, Great great partners there. Uh, But yeah, that's it. I'll be back probably tomorrow for Padres-Giants series reaction. And as always, some people say they're there every day, but this season I've taken pride in being there every day. Pre-game thoughts and post-game reaction every day, and it's going to continue throughout this Padres, the rest of this Padres season this week. So I'll be back with pre-game thoughts, Padres-Giants, for tonight. See you then.